Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. On today's show, we're talking about the market for sovereign debt and what it means for investors. We have a severe interest rate inversion where short-term interest rates are higher than long-term rates. The obvious question is, why is that a problem? Well, if you think about what the market interest rate says to investors, it communicates a perception of risk. In a natural environment, it stands to reason well, you could predict the next three months or perhaps the next year with greater certainty than you could predict the next 10 years or the next 30 years. It would make sense that longer-term rates would be higher because you just can't see that far out in time. You can't predict the distant future as well as you could theoretically predict the future in the short term. Well, if that's the case, then why are short-term interest rates higher than long-term rates in the United States? Why is the market rate for a one-year T-bill at 4.28%, whereas the yield on the 10-year Treasury is at 39 and the 30-year Treasury is at 38 That's an inversion in interest rates. Short-term rates are higher than long-term rates. So what does that tell us about market sentiment? It says there's a much higher perceived risk in the short term than in the long term. And on today's show, we're going to be looking at signs of contagion that are not making the headlines. But I think you need to be paying attention to this. We've seen a massive demand for U.S. dollars internationally. Many countries are running low on foreign exchange reserves that are needed to transact basic day-to-day business for commodities and for servicing debt that might be denominated in U.S. dollars. We're seeing more and more signs of global financial instability, of major institutions running into problems with liquidity and trying to raise the necessary capital to keep reserves where they need to be. Well, last week, the Bank of Switzerland drew $3.1 billion and swapped it with the U.S. Federal Reserve. This is part of a weekly auction. Most weeks, there's no activity in the auction. There's usually no bid. Most people assume the swap could be related to the problems associated with Credit Suisse. Credit Suisse is clearly a troubled institution. Now, the Fed cannot transact directly with foreign counterparties. What happens at the auction is that the Bank of Switzerland offers Swiss francs to the Federal Reserve in exchange for dollars. The two central banks agree on the exchange rate and the interest rate. And last week, there were not one or two banks looking for the Swiss National Bank for help, but nine. Well, today, there was another auction in Switzerland... It's already happened, and the dollar amount transacted was double the size of last week. Fully, $6.27 billion were transacted today, and there were 15 banks participating in the auction. We've gone for months with zero activity of dollar swaps between Switzerland and the United States, and all of a sudden, in the span of two weeks, we have over $9 billion being transacted between the Federal Reserve and the Swiss National Bank. So the question is, why is this happening in Switzerland? What is it unique about Switzerland? Well, Switzerland is a financial hub. It's a global financial hub. A lot of U.S. dollars transact through Switzerland. It's likely that these transactions are being initiated by Swiss subsidiaries of foreign banks that could be using the Swiss National Bank and using Switzerland to mask the location of the originating bank. See, this is not about rate increases. What we're seeing are collateral shortages. We're seeing actual cash shortages, issues with counterparties. Another facility is with the Federal Reserve Bank of New York. It's often used as a correspondent bank holding treasuries in custody for foreign entities. So if a foreign national bank is holding U.S. treasuries, they might just keep those in the custody of the Federal Reserve Bank of New York. Well, in the past two weeks, we've seen $67 billion in treasuries disappear from the Federal Reserve Bank of New York's custodial balance sheet. That's a lot of movement of money in a two-week period. 
These are signs of increasing liquidity problems internationally. Banks are having problems and they're accessing central bank facilities for assistance. This is a clear and tangible warning. It's a warning sign of trouble. We saw similar dollar swap activity in 2008 in the months leading up to the failure of Bear Stearns. These 15 banks are having counterparty problems and they need access to quick cash. The drawdown at the Federal Reserve Bank of New York is another indication of distress on a large scale, and yet we don't really know who the actors are involved. It could be British banks, it might be Japanese banks, it could be a Swiss bank, we don't know. It's starting to explain some of what we're seeing with credit becoming less available. As central banks try to calm inflation, they're having an increasingly difficult time making headway. Governments that want to be re-elected are trying to soothe an agitated population. Inflation is caused by the printing of money and allowing that money to enter circulation. It's one thing to print money and put it on the balance sheet of a central bank to increase reserves. It's quite another to shower cash from the sky like governments around the world did during the pandemic. Well, the French government announced they were going to hand out 100 billion euros to help families cope with rising costs. Well, this is the most insane idea ever. They're fighting inflation with inflation. It's like trying to fight a fire with gasoline. The economists I follow are starting to sound the warning bell that we could be entering a period of massive instability, possibly even a deflationary period, if the forces at play result in a prolonged global economic contraction. The last time we had a deflationary period was in the 1930s. So as real estate investors, we need to be running scenarios to determine how we would handle situations if they arise. What would you do if interest rates rose to 7%? What would you do if we experienced a freeze-up in credit markets like we did in 2008? What would you do if your assumptions about foreign exchange rates were incorrect and exchange rates were to change significantly? These are all financial models that you can easily run if you have financial models for your projects. And it would be responsible for you to do that so that you've at least communicated to your investors that you've done something, you're paying attention to the global economic environment. As you think about that, have an awesome rest of your day. Go make some great things happen. I'll talk to you again tomorrow.